Hello and welcome back, Somerville. You're tuned in to the Somerville Advice Givers Podcast, where we connect you with the advice you need for when life happens. I am your host, Yaden Smith, and this week I'm really excited to have with us one of Somerville's lesser-known magicians, Mike Kreft. Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you, Yaden. I appreciate that wonderful Now, even though you are a magician, I've seen your work, and yep. it's, it's solid. That's not actually why we have you on the show today. Yeah, you work in the financial industry, doing financial planning, helping people uh, make good financial decisions. That's right. Yeah, that that goes hand in hand with being a magician. I know that gives people <laughs> great confidence. I'm going to turn this $1 into a $5 bill. It's like, oh That's my gosh, right. take my money. That's right. Please. Now to clarify, magic is just a hobby, something I've had an interest in since I was a child. It's not something I do on the side. So It's, <laughs> it's not a side gig. Please no, don't, no. don't email More of a him hobby. asking if he can come to your kid's birthday party. Yeah, that's right. right. Well, Mike, as we get started, we'll just jump right into it. Tell the audience a little bit about yourself. You know, how'd you, how'd you get to Somerville? Where'd you grow up? How'd you get started in the financial planning industry? What, what drives you over there? Yeah, good, good. Um, well, I grew up in Illinois, in a little town in Illinois called Geneva, and I uh, went to Michigan State University and graduated with a degree in history and English. And my goal was to be a teacher. And so that's how I came to Charleston. That's how I came to Somerville. Um, I started out teaching middle school, eighth grade. And, oh yeah. Nobody ever asks me why I left teaching, but, <laughs> but really uh, it, I say that jokingly because teaching was really my passion. I loved being in the classroom, teaching kids. I think few professions aside from maybe being a minister, you can have that mm. big of an impact on that many people in such a short time. Right. So I did that for seven years. I taught history and English. Um, I was at Fort Johnson Middle School on James Island and then School of the Arts in North Charleston. And the thing that I absolutely loved about teaching was starting out the year, getting a new group of kids and figuring out where they were at this point and where they needed to be by the end of the year. And then my job was, of course, as a teacher to put a plan together to figure out how to get them from point A to point B. And to make it interesting, but more importantly, to inspire them to learn and mm -hmm. make movement toward right. that objective. Because it, it didn't really matter, you know, how how much I knew personally. It that was important, but it was it was more important to get the kids to be inspired to learn and to move them from right. point A to point B. Teach kids how to learn. That's right. That's exactly right. And so, in that regard, there there is a very clear direct link between that and financial planning because now, as a wealth advisor, that's that's what I do is help people figure out how to get from where they are now to where they want to be or need to be uh, in the future and, and to put a plan together, but more importantly, to inspire them to make movement toward those, those goals. Um, but after about seven years or six years in the teaching profession, I was doing some soul searching about what the next step was. I was kind of progressing down that path that most teachers do where uh, I was pursuing my master's degree and then the expectation was kind of that you'd go into administration. Mm -hmm. And when I was doing soul searching one summer, uh, when I had it, had the summer off, which is one benefit to teaching, but teachers deserve summers off. I will say oh, that. absolutely. They, they are not paid enough. I do not to, begrudge them <laughs> that's right. the summer off at all. Not at all. They, they work very, very hard during the school year. A lot of people don't realize they put in way more than 40 hours between meetings and lesson mm -hmm. planning and grading papers. They are just the salt of the Their earth. school day doesn't end at 3 o'clock. It, it definitely does not. Um, 
so, but, but I was doing some soul searching and, and realized, you know, I, I didn't get into this to go into administration. I really, the parts that I love about teaching was really what was driving me to do something myself as an entrepreneur. And we were joking kind of about me being a, a magician when in reality that did have a lot to do with my aspirations to start a business. Because when I was in fifth grade, I started doing magic shows for birthday parties and oh. hired my sisters as assistants. I had a music <laughs> guy that I paid $2 per show. It was great. but I, And I had business cards and reinvesting the money that I made from that into new magic supplies. So that was kind of the beginning, I guess, of my entrepreneurial spirit. And then the teaching part really went hand in hand with that to um, to want to continue to help people make smart decisions with their money. So you did seven years teaching, soul searching one summer during, during the break, and then just had this epiphany? Like, wh- why, why financial planning? What drew you to that industry? Yeah, that's a good question because that, I, I had been, my wife and I bought a house around that time, and uh, like a lot of people, we weren't prepared for all of the <laughs> financial commitments that right. come with buying a house. It's not just a house. That's right. That's right. It's not so, just the mortgage payment. Yeah. And we were kind of joking before the interview about um, about mentioning Dave Ramsey. And um, I know a lot of financial advisors kind of are critical of Dave Ramsey. And and I don't agree, I don't agree necessarily with everything he says, but um, I, I did the Dave Ramsey course and read his book at that time, and I found it really helpful for the situation we were in. And, and I do recommend it for a lot of young people who are mm-hmm. maybe struggling with debt and trying to figure out how to budget and those sorts of things. It can be tremendously helpful. But he had a line in his book that you need a financial advisor that has the heart of a teacher. And that one line really stuck with me. Wow. So I, I had a financial advisor at that time too, and you know, set up a little 403B uh, retirement account for me. And, um, he, he mentioned to me, he says, well, yeah, you'd be very good at this because it is a lot like teaching. You're, you're teaching people how to make smart decisions with their resources. So he said, if you want to explore that option, let me know. And so we talked about it and, and I did, I did, uh, I joined him for a few years and then, um, you know, years later I, I went off on my own and, and decided to start my own financial planning wealth management firm. Wow. Reading a book, one line. Yeah. Find a financial advisor with the heart of a teacher. It's funny how those things kind of connect over time. Those, those different aspects of your life come together, and it's not until you're looking back in hindsight that you realize how impactful mm-hmm. certain decisions or certain people or certain books had on your life, right? right? Yeah. Those watershed moments. That's right. They never feel like watershed moments when they're happening. That's right. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Exactly. That's going to be the name of my next business. I don't know what the business is going to be. But it's just hindsight. Be hindsight 2020. <laughs> 2020, that's right. Well, People will think you do, do optometry. I do, I do uh, you know, I sell cars. That's I'm a right. mechanic. That's right. I, I do pressure well. Hindsight 2020. That's right. It seemed like a good idea at the time. <laughs> exactly. So, Mike, as, as you work as a financial advisor, and I know the financial advisor spectrum is super broad. Mm-hmm. There's you know, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, insurance. It's, I'm sure it keeps going. Yeah. It keeps going. With what you see and with your, the clients that you work with, what would you say are some, doesn't have to be five, doesn't have to be three, what would be some pieces of advice for you know, a regular person mm-hmm. to make their life better? That's, that's an awesome question. I, I like the way you phrase that. Let me touch on the first 
thing that you said first, because okay. you're, you're absolutely right. When people hear the term financial advisor, a lot of times their perception of what that means is like many things shaped by their past experiences. Yeah, right? absolutely. And so financial advisor is a broad term. And, and I think the industry is doing a little bit better job kind of honing in on, on, on financial planner, financial advisor, what those terms mean, because are, are you talking about an insurance salesman that who, who is a financial advisor? Are you talking about a, a tax person? One of the challenges in, mm-hmm. in my line of work is to help people understand what it is that I do and how it, how it might be different than what they may have experienced in the past. So let's talk about that for just a sec. Before we, sure. before we you know, talk about the, the piece of advice, what specifically do you do in the broad range of financial services? So I would describe it as wealth management or wealth advisor. Now that, okay. again, is another term that I think a lot of people are starting to adopt or adapt mm-hmm. uh, incorrectly. From my perspective, wealth management entails three things. It entails okay. investment consulting, advanced financial planning, and relationship management. And so investment consulting basically entails creating an investment plan and identifying investments that are going to give you the greatest probability of success. Advanced financial planning entails about five different components. It entails wealth enhancement, which for many people involves building their investments. It entails wealth protection, protecting your wealth from people who might take it, such as creditors or from unforeseen emergencies, Mm -hmm. wealth preservation, which includes things like tax mitigation. Most people don't want to pay more than they need to in taxes, (laughs) right? Charitable gifting for people who are charitable minded. Uh, And and I'll, I'll mention too, with that one, that doesn't necessarily just mean giving money. It can also mean giving of your time and talent. Okay. And leaving a legacy, which I find for a lot of the clients that I work with that are especially ones that are older, not exclusively, but ones that are older, they're thinking about what type of legacy do I want to leave? And that is not, um, I'll talk more about that later. Uh, you asked me about five things, but, but that, that's advanced financial planning, taking those things into mm-hmm. account. And then the final piece, relationship management, where we have a team of advisors that work together to help the client not only create a plan, but continually move toward that plan. And that team of advisors includes people like your CPA or accountant, an insurance okay. advisor. Um, the it, different pieces of the broader financial That's right, an attorney, an estate system. planner. Yep. And so what I do is I kind of coordinate all of that and help put those people into place. Some clients come gotcha. to me, they've already got a CPA that they're that they're happy with. And so we'll bring that person into the, the team if they don't, we've got some relationships and we plug those people in. But we work together as a team to help the client on those advanced financial planning areas mm-hmm. as well as the investment consulting. Gotcha. And, and I'll okay. mention the other thing that's different is, is I'm fee only. So uh, some financial advisors work on commissions. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I think sometimes people are afraid of an inherent conflict of interest that could come up when when getting financial advice. Right. So we're pretty straightforward with how we charge um, either an asset-based fee or a, um, a flat dollar fee. So people know what they're paying for that gotcha. advice because we're okay. fiduciaries and that that's uh, that's a big deal. We're not just fiduciaries when dealing with your retirement accounts. We're fiduciaries all the time, which, uh, which basically means that we have a legal obligation to mm-hmm. do what's in our client's best interest. 
let's go back to those pieces of advice. We got off on the tangent, but a very important tangent on how do you describe what it is you do mm-hmm. in the spectrum of financial services. Right. So now on with the advice. So I I'm think taking that, notes, no okay. pressure. <laughs> so I think the the best place to start is first, uh, from, from, uh, a thousand foot level. My, my job is really to help people optimize their financial resources. And if you look up the word optimize, it probably says something like to make the best of, most efficient use of, mm-hmm. or the most perfect. So it's really to optimize their financial resources. And in turn, that can help people optimize the time and energy that they're able to spend with the people they care about most, doing the things that they want to do and that they uh, that they really care about. When our everybody has limited time, limited energy, and limited resources, so mm-hmm. helping people optimize those resources can have a tremendous positive impact on their lives. And when people's lives are in sync with what matters most to them, a lot of things become clear. A lot of financial decisions become right. clear. Should we should we move? Should we buy this house? Should we buy a second home? Should we sell our current home and downsize? Um, what's the most efficient way to fund our child's education? All those things become clearer when their financial resources are aligned with what matters most to them. So um, I, I kind of take, I think that's an important place to start. And, and I don't want to get too much off on a tangent, but um, you know, the, the ancient Greeks, Aristotle, Socrates, Plato, had a word for happiness, and that was eudaimonia. And I mentioned that because that was another, that really another epiphany for me in my, my business was when I read a book by Daniel Gilbert called Stum- Stumbling on Happiness. And it was about the science of happiness and what truly what it means and how people can, get, can either achieve or get close to achieving happiness. And I found that book fascinating. And I went back and studied happiness because ultimately that's really what financial advisors or wealth advisors should be doing. It's that's helping. the goal. That's the goal. That's really everybody's goal. Is the to goal find is not to have right? $10 million, just to have $10 right. million. That's exactly right. It's all going to be left here one day anyway when yeah. we leave this world. And so it's, here's what's interesting about eudaimonia, that that word which closely resembles the word happiness or human flourishing would maybe be a more accurate mm-hmm. term. But unlike the noun happiness today, which is a state of being, right? it's kind of like we believe that's something that just happens to us, right? right? Happiness, it just happens. It's something we are or we, you know. You we, are we or you're not. You are or you're not. That's on. right. Eudaimonia was a verb. It was oh. an action. It was something you did. It wasn't something that just happened to you. It was a way of life. It was how you led your life. There's a, a real close link between virtue of character and happiness, yeah. according to Aristotle. Right. And, and so it's how you live your life that determines your happiness. Now, of course, years later, the theologians came along and said, well, happiness can't be achieved in this world. It mm-hmm. can only truly be achieved. True happiness can only be achieved in the next world. But uh, living a virtuous life is what will get you the closest to happiness right. and it will determine eventually where you, you go one day. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there were a number of things, a number of specific things that these guys outlined that said, if you do these things, then you'll be happy. Right. So I, that was huge because I adopted those specific things into my process. And so at the discovery meeting, at the initial meeting that I have with prospective clients, 
and really on an ongoing annual basis with existing clients, we spend time talking about those specific areas. I've identified five of those areas that most people are really concerned about. Mm-hmm. And uh, then, then I help them to, uh, with the team of advisors, we help them align their financial resources with those specific five areas. And a lot of people report, gosh, ever since we did that, we're able to spend, we're able to now invest more of our time and energy now that clarity. you guys are handling these these resources. It's, so us. it sounds like like the first this this eudaimonia this thing mm-hmm. could be like summarized. I, I can't use Reader's Digest version because some of our listeners have never seen a Reader's Digest. Oh gosh, yes, right, that's, that's right, <laughs> that's right. But the, the the Reader's Digest version for those of you who don't know what a Reader's Digest is, just look it up. Google it. Right. Is yeah, look it up on Google. <laughs> like you have to figure out what matters. That's right. Like, you that's figure right. out what matters, and that gives you clarity. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that that you hit the nail on the head. So many people, just about everybody I know, if you ask them, does money buy happiness? They're going to say no. But if you if you look at the way you're living your life and you really examine it, are you really living that way? Because yeah. <laughs> no, most no, of us nobody's, aren't. Nobody's living right. that way. And I, it's very easy because of whether whether you blame it on media or advertising or whatnot. But our economy wouldn't work if if these companies couldn't convince us that material things buy happiness. And right. so it's a very, emotions are a huge thing. And, and I think that's uh, one thing to be aware of is how our emotions affect our financial decisions. Mm, absolutely. So that's not one of my five. But. I'm writing that one down though. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and anybody who thinks they're immune to that is just fooling themselves. Emotions often drive financial decisions. It's the very reason why, and, and it causes us oftentimes to make illogical financial decisions. It's the very reason why people would drive across town to save $20 on a $100 iPhone, but they wouldn't drive across town to save $20 on a $10,000 automobile. Because $20 seems like a lot of money when we're talking about $100 iPhones, but it doesn't seem very relevant when we're talking about a $10,000 or $20,000 automobile. Mm -hmm. So, But an economist would say that $20 is $20 in your pocket. You know, right. regardless. So emotions are definitely an important factor. It causes people to make uh, huge financial mistakes oftentimes when it comes to their investments um, or other parts of their their, their uh, financial picture. Um, so we've got to be aware that of the power of emotions. And I think that's one value advisors can bring to that mix is to try to help you keep the emotion but, out but of They're, they're more detached. That's I right. don't want to say emotionally detached. That sounds bad. But they are not as emotionally invested. Right. In what's going on. Yes. Nice. All right. This is good stuff. Keep going. Good. Well, you asked me five. What was your question again? Five uh, sig- pieces of advice for an average person to live life better. Okay, great. Yes. So I'd say number one is to have a clear vision. Clear vision. Clear vision. What matters. What matters most to you. And part of that clear vision should be uh, having, having a plan mm-hmm. centered around that vision. Whether you're a young professional or whether you're nearing retirement, or whether you're in retirement, having some sort of a plan. Now, that plan's going to look different for those different groups sure, of people. Sure, You can't control everything. You can't control the market. You can't control the weather. You can't control whether or not you have an unexpected health event. But having a plan can help you minimize the impact some of those unexpected events can have on your overall health and well-being. Um, the plan should be designed to optimize your financial resources. I think too often people are trying to, uh, or even working with advisors that are trying to maximize 
their their resources and that that for most people that's not the goal because that entails a lot more risk oftentimes um so if if the the plan uh, can only optimize your financial resources if you've identified what's important to you and if you have a plan but that, it's moving you towards right. something that doesn't really <laughs> matter to right. you what that's <laughs> yeah that's right so i i'd say number 2 Aiden, mm-hmm. would be balancing work and life harmonizing work and life when you're young most people have to work to make a living later in life more people are starting to discover that they do want to work in some capacity you know a lot a lot of times people deceive themselves into thinking that retirement is going to be going to the beach every day, reading a book and basically <laughs> sleeping in and doing nothing. But what I found from my personal experience working with a lot of people who that was the really their goal is they right. said, man, I'm just ready to be done with work and not do anything is that is great. And they do that for about two weeks. And then all of a sudden <laughs> they're think they're saying, gosh, I'm bored out of my mind. But that is an important point because again, that's where the emotions come in. People, what they think is often not the reality and right. think, so giving some thoughts to that even, even people now that are retired, whether they have to work or whether they just want to work, even if it's volunteer, a lot of people are finding getting involved in volunteering and, and giving of their time and talent uh, is something that's that's very desirable. Again, not for everybody, but finding that balance of work and life is important regardless of the stage of life you're in. Um, and, a, and a big part of that is understanding where your money and resources are going. The, the third thing um, is create financial security. That, I would say for most people, is one of their primary goals is to create financial security for the future. Knowing what that looks like and managing your investments and your other uh, financial resources to provide that peace of mind is key for most Americans into retirement. And for, for, most, for many Americans, this is accomplished through um, their investments and Having a written investment plan, whether it's for your 401k, IRA, brokerage account, whatever, is really important. And having that plan focused on attaining specific goals, the the purpose in having a, a written investment plan also is so that you're not tempted to allow emotions to help you make financial decisions. And so many people do that. Well, I'm, 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 seeing, a, I'm seeing a trend as we're talking through these pieces of advice. These are all interconnected. Yes, if, if you are, if you have a financial security, what that looks like is going to be different yep. depending on what matters, mm-hmm. what your, what your actual goal is mm-hmm. and right. harmonizing work and life. Like if you are legit about wanting to not work and not be beholden to anybody, that's going to look different than somebody like, right. you know what? I know I'm going to want to work part time when I hit 50, 60, whatever mm-hmm. the age is. That's right. Yep. Well, and, and part of this point that I have with having an, an investment plan, a written investment plan to help create financial security is, again, if you ask the average person, they're going to tell you, yes, I know you should buy low, sell high. <laughs> but you know what? Most people are not doing that. Most people buy high, sell Most low. Most people buy. It's the very reason why I get so many questions about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency right now. All right, bring it on. Well, my, <laughs> I was afraid you were going to ask me about Bitcoin, but... <laughs> You beat me to the punch. Yes. Yeah, that's right. But but everybody's asking, well, what do you think about Bitcoin? I get I was in Orlando this weekend speaking at a conference and and thought I did a, a pretty good job explaining the purpose of all this. The very first question I get is, what do you think about Bitcoin? <laughs> did you listen to anything I said? <laughs> you know, it but but it is. It's funny. You know, when you look at at 
what Bitcoin has done and, and why so many people are interested in it, it's because it's it looks it looks like it's it's almost at a bubble, mm-hmm. and it has all the indications of a bubble. But people are hearing their friends are making money. They're hearing stories on TV about people who made money. And so, what do they want to do? They want to get in. You know, there's a great story about Isaac Newton, and obviously one of the most intelligent people who ever lived. Mm-hmm. And he lost his fortune investing in the South Sea Company. So what he did what? actually is, so he invested in the South Sea Company and did very, very well, made a lot of money. And being wise, he says, it's time to get out. And so he took his money out and had made a handsome profit. But he watched with much perturbance as his friends continued to make money <laughs> they while left staying money invested. In. So what did he do? He went all in. Oh, and of course, the bubble burst. More expensive than when he'd gotten yes, out. Yes, oh. and he lost his fortune. And and that's one famous story. One of the smartest people ever. So intelligence really has nothing to do with investing. It really doesn't. Yeah. Sometimes that can actually uh, be in a hindrance if it gives you overconfidence. And that's why having a written investment mm. plan is really key because somebody who thinks that they're smart enough to make investment decisions independently, uh, you really got to be careful with that. You've got, you've got to, what is your investment strategy? And- Buying Bitcoin and putting uh, your your financial resources all into that, if, if your objective is future financial security, I probably don't recommend Bitcoin. Bitcoin, <laughs> I'll, I'll mention this about Bitcoin. Bitcoin doesn't, as a currency, it doesn't even have the properties of, of money. I think there's like six prop- properties of money, durability, portability, uh, limited supply, and, and that sort of thing. Um, so it... It doesn't have the properties of money. It's just kind of this arbitrary thing, and all. And uh, Steve Slifer, a local economist here, I was at a conference, and he, and he mentioned that all it's going to take is one terrorist attack to be funded by Bitcoin, and and it's it's going to be done. Oh, but, it'll be game over. Yeah. Now, c- can you make money in it? Of course. I mean, you can make a lot of money by investing in one thing or in cryptocurrency. Right. But the flip side to that is you can also lose a lot. High of risk, high return. That's right, and that's that's important to keep that in mind. So. On that point, having an investment plan, and you might have multiple investment plans if you have different goals and different funds earmarked for different things. An example would be if you you have a goal of funding your child's education, that plan is going to look a little bit different than your plan for creating future financial security right. at your financial independence time or your retirement time. So Not all plans are going to be the same. That's exactly right. This is going to come back, to, exactly the, back right. to the original point. You got to figure out what matters. That's exactly. And the charitable plan has gifting, to line up yes. with what matters. Charitable gifting, leaving a legacy, that type of investment plan is going to look a lot different than a, a yeah. plan for college funding for a child who's going to college in five right. years. That's right. right. I think four is making sure that you protect your family. And there's a number of ways of doing that. And to break that down, I would say everybody should have at least a will including durable power of attorney, healthcare power of oh attorney, gosh, living absolutely. will. I mean, yeah, I, I had a client. I call it the family time. four pack. That's right. That's right. Get and if you don't have legal that, documents. Mm-hmm. In South Carolina, when, it's a misconception that everything will go to my spouse. If you've got children in South Carolina law, if you die in test state, which means without a without will, a will. Um, half goes to your spouse, half goes to your, your, your issue, your, yeah, your children. Your heirs. That's right. So it, it, it is important to have, but, but even the, the powers of attorney, I, I, I had a, issue where a client of mine um, had had uh, passed away and she had gone and, and started that process but she didn't finish it and uh, it was kind of a mess she had an ex-spouse and there was a lot of uh, argument and, and and the way her estate was distributed is almost certainly not what 
she would have wanted. Um, it was just an unfortunate situation. And, you know, I, I did advise her properly and she did start that process, but she unfortunately um, didn't get a chance to, to finish that. So I encourage people to do that right away. That was a real eye opener for me. Number five would be uh, one thing people should be considering, even if they're young, is what type of legacy do you want to leave when you leave this place? That's not something that's a whole lot of fun to think about in terms of, gosh, when I die, it's not something you really, I guess, would think. But I think it can be very rewarding to know that once you leave this place, that you're leaving something of value. And I'm not just talking about financial resources. That may be a part of it. But leaving a legacy is, is also about leaving and passing on traditions and values to future generations. And that can be incredibly rewarding to have a plan in place set up to how you're going to do that. Right. And, and how you're going to leave this, this world a little bit better or, or a group of people in a better situation. So I'd say those are probably the five areas that people should be considering. Okay, we're going to jump into now what we call the final four. Ooh, that Got sounds four exciting. questions, and I even have a bonus question that was not on your packet ahead of time. Oh, excellent. <laughs> uh, question number one. Mm-hmm. When work is over and it's time to play, what do you do for fun? I uh, like to spend time with my wife. We, we walk. Um, we like to hike. Sometimes we'll sneak away up to the mountains for a long weekend and, and go hiking. If not, we'll just around here go hiking. I like to work out, uh, lift weights. I run, although I, I need, lately I need to be a little bit better about that, but <laughs> I love to read. Um, I do volunteer, um, in, as you know, the Rotary Club with you. And so Rotary giving Club here in Seminole, awesome yeah, group. Yeah, it is an awesome group. And just that, that is one of my favorite parts of the week is meeting with the Somerville evening Rotary Club. What a great way to make a difference in the local community here and, and, uh, just give back. So I love that. So um, I love to read as well. But those, yeah, those are some of the things that I what, do. What book are you time. reading right now for fun? Um, for fun? Well, I'm reading. I'm re- actually reading a, a book professionally called The Trusted Advisor. That's why I asked for fun. Yeah. Well, there's a running book I'm reading, and right off the, Ooh, the top what, of my what head, running I, book? The guy. Well, you and I talked about this, and I'm trying to remember the guy's name now. Bart. Uh, people listening to this who are runners are going to say, "Of course." It's not born to run. Uh, not born to run. No. Is it um, run less, I just run faster? It. Nope. Okay, well, you'll think about it at some point. Yeah, I'll get back to you on that. (laughs) So question number two, final four question number Mm -hmm. two. In the next 12 months, what are you most excited about? Um, I'd say um, on a a personal level, I'm I'm most excited about I'm running a marathon. Dude. In less than a year. I know, man. Which one? The Disney Marathon. Oh, nice. Yeah, Disney Marathon. That's January in Orlando. That's right. So... uh, I'm really not that far from being able to do it. About 20 miles more to go, and I'll be able to run a full <laughs> marathon. <laughs> Maybe 21 more to go. But uh, I'm also really excited. My parents are moving here, and I'm so excited about that because they they were in a position recently where I got to see the advice that I'd been giving them all these years, which is really funny because uh, you know they're, they joke, gosh, our son, we never would have imagined he'd be our financial advisor. <laughs> but I was able to help them make some good decisions about retiring and, and make their dream come true, which was move here to Somerville. Question number three, what is a parting piece of advice you'd like to leave with the audience? Oh boy, parting piece of advice. Um, I guess maybe two two things. And, and this is kind of shaped by something that happened recently. Um, once in a lifetime opportunities come around every couple months. So 
That's something my pastor Greg Surratt advised me on years ago. So I love it. I love that. That is not permission to procrastinate. I will throw that out there as well. It's not permission to procrastinate. But I do see a trend in today's society where people are lacking patience more and more. They want to get rich quick. They're investing in speculative investments rather than things that are going to give them the greatest opportunity Mm -hmm. for success. That's good. You got it. Question number four. What is the best way for the audience to get in touch with you? Oh, uh, you don't have to spell anything out. We're going to put it all in the show notes. Great. There's there's general. there's a number of ways to uh, reach me. Of course, by phone is always uh, a good way to reach me. Eight four three six four seven seven two seven zero. Um. Email is is a fantastic way. That's probably the preferred way. If if you're comfortable emailing, uh, that's Mike at palmettocoastwm.com. Um, you can also check out my website, which is uh, palmettocoast.com, if you want to learn a little bit more about my business and what I do and how I help people. Uh, those, those are the best ways to reach me. Awesome. All right, Mike, bonus round. Bonus, bonus round. round. With, with everything that's going on in your life, work, volunteer, relationships, family, mm-hmm. What is saving your life right now? Well, I, I'd say uh, vo- volunteering and, and in the community. And, and there's a number of things that I'm doing. I'm, I'm a board member of the Girl Scouts of Southeastern South Carolina. I'm in the Rotary Club. But really, I think that is important because it gets very easy to get wrapped up in work and to get life out of balance. That it's when you're giving back and you're looking at people that may be less fortunate than you and... It keeps you grounded. It keeps you grounded. It keeps you, it keeps things in perspective. Right. And so I don't care if, if you're in debt and, and you, you're in over your head or why. I think still giving back of your time, it doesn't always have to be about money, but giving of your time really can keep things in perspective and keep you right. grounded on what's really important in life. Fantastic. Awesome. I love that. Thank you, Mike. Well, thank you for having me, in. Listeners, we've had Mike Kreft from Palmetto Coast Wealth Management with us this week. You've been listening to the Somerville Advice Givers Podcast, where we connect you with the advice you need for when life happens. I'm your host, Yaden Smith. We'll see you next week.